I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay. I'm so excited. This week, we're talking about the fourth episode of the fourth season, The Van Gogh Job. Beth, what did you think? This is by far the best episode so far this season. Like, the other episodes, there is no, not even a competition. Like, this one just blows it out of the water, and it's not even, like, a normal leverage episode. No. That's what makes it so good. It's like, we're just going to completely subvert. Yeah. This is a love story. And it's so fucking... Okay, here's the thing. It's so cute and so sad, mm-hmm. but then it's so cute again. Yeah. And I'm like, my emotions are on a wild roller coaster of just, I don't even know. Like, nothing... In, like, here's the thing. I love this episode with all of my heart, but nothing important happens in this episode. <laughs> like, there is... You, you know, like, obviously, the important thing that happens in this episode is they save Charlie, mm-hmm. and, you know, everything's happy and fine in that regard, but, like, it's not like there is, like, a whole bunch of, like, overarching plot stuff happening, no. and then there is no real, like, tension or stakes. Like, at the end of the day, they're saving one person. Yeah. You know, like, they're not... It's not, like, Moreau again. No. Like, it's very different. And it's also states. not like, um, like, we've had some where it's been, like, oh, no, this evil person, like... Um, the snow job's a good example of, like, mm. this evil person. Like, yes, we're helping one person, but they've done this to hundreds, hundreds of, of people. Yeah. So we're trying to help hundreds of people. Oh, no, no, no. There's not so much of a flow-on ripple effect in no. this instance. Yes. Although I did have a question about them saving Charlie, right? Yeah. Which is, there's, like, a big point this episode. It's actually one of the things that I really found very fun, where, like, all of the people, like, all of these billionaires really want this painting, and they've all, like, put out, basically, mm-hmm. hits <laughs> yeah. to get this painting. And so Elliot keeps running into these people that he knows. And I just yeah. think it's really a very fun choice. What I think is so funny is the fact that we get a hitter named Frank. I also think like, that is so funny. This is our second <laughs> Frank in, like, a couple of I weeks. Know. I was thinking that because I was like, didn't we make fun of this name already? Like, yes. I just have a note that says Frank. Ha 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 ha. We haven't made fun of this because the Santa in the Ho 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 job yes, is named was. Frank. That's what it so was. So we've already made fun of the name Frank, and we get another Frank within, like, the span of not even a season. Yes, and also, I have a note to Frank specifically, because basically Elliot picks up this, like, uh, like little baseball bat type thing, but it, like, seems like it's maybe plastic. Like, it's a kid's toy, yeah, right? Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, like, what is that, Barbies? And I was Did like, Barbie leave that in her dream house? Yes. Which is so fucking hilarious with the new Barbie movie coming out. Oh, yes. Number one, absolutely hilarious. And I cannot wait for that movie to come out. Number two, I made a note, which was that if Barbie chose to follow a career in assassination, she would fucking kick your ass, Frank. So don't even try me. Don't come for Barbie. No, she Barbie would destroy would you. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. No, yeah. no competition. Like, mm-hmm. If Barbie wanted to beat your ass, she would beat she your She would ass. beat your fucking ass, and she would do it in six-inch heels. Like, don't <laughs> don't try me, Frank. But anyway, my point, <laughs> my point was that I was confused by the very end of this episode, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's a very, like, it's a bittersweet ending, because, mm-hmm. like, Charlie and Betty don't get to be together, which is... Betty, is it Dorothy? Yeah, Dorothy. Dorothy. Ross. Dorothy Ross. For some reason... Dorothy Ross. I'm... I'm thinking Betty because of Dorothea and Betty and, like, <laughs> I'm in Taylor Swift mode because of Speak Now. Oh, my God. Come what a brain. vibe for the morning. Come on, brain. <laughs> Work for me. So, obviously, it is sad because Charlie and Dorothy don't get to have their happy ever after, mm-hmm. right? And it's a very emotional yeah. sort of It's, like, bittersweet. It's, like, at the end of the day, like, unfortunately, like, there is just... It was what it was, and there's no yeah. changing it. There's no going back. It's just tragic. Exactly. And it's it's a very sad ending for their story. And it's 
again sad because like all those years later he came back and she'd already passed away and then you find out that she'd been squirreling away all this money in the hopes that maybe one day he'd come back and mm-hmm. you know so it's a very upsetting like ending for their yeah. story but then you have the like emphasis on Parker and Hardison and obviously how different society is at this point in the timeline and like the fact, the fact that, that they have they have hope yeah whereas they like they could have run away together but even if they ran away together the chances are like there's only so much you can do when all of society's against you. Like, well, I had a note on this too because I'm pretty sure that France was one of the more progressive countries mm-hmm. in regards to uh, interracial relationships. Like, I'm pretty sure of that. If I'm wrong, please do correct me. But I have like a weird feeling that I know this from like at some point, like I just learned it from somewhere. Yeah. Where like France was one of the safest places to go um in that regard but also i had a question about this as well i fuck i have to ask my first question my first question is <laughs> you'll very, get there one day ah, <laughs> at the end of the episode they make a point where they're like you know they've got the painting and they give it back to charlie and they're talking about donating it to the, the art museum or whatever yeah. and it's like yeah great i'm like i get that and fantastic they, wonderful yes and then they all leave him alone at the hospital holding the painting like previously all of these fucking billionaires had literal assassins out for this man I mean, and he no, because... didn't even know where the painting was. And now they have left him in, I assume, a public hospital with the painting on his lap. And, like, like yes, you solved the story. Like, you solved the, like, where was the painting. But you, you got there. You've got there. But you and didn't it's now... fix the other problem. The painting is out in the light of day now, so they can no longer try to... Like, because I'm assuming the plan was basically kill off Charlie, steal the painting, and so then, that there's no proof that he was the one. Yeah, yeah. Like, just be like, oh, how funny, we found this. Like, oh my god. Like, yeah, yeah, obviously. But then they just leave him completely unguarded in a fucking hospital with this priceless Van Gogh. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, 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 you were doing so well up to this point. Like, you had. <laughs> what are you doing? There's such an emphasis on the fact that, no, like, this dude cannot be left alone. Yeah. Without security because they will fully murder yeah. him for this painting. When he didn't even know where it was and now he's holding it and you're like, yeah, now we can leave him alone? Like, <laughs> what? Maybe it's because they've already announced, like, like what's going to happen yeah, with the painting. I mean, so, maybe... like, it's no longer, like, a theft risk really so much because now if it's something already... happens to the painting, because it's already Like, maybe it's already, life. like, been publicised. Like, yeah. maybe they've already told the papers kind yeah. of thing. Maybe the museum already knows that it's getting donated there. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. Maybe maybe that's sort of why. I mean, you could say that that's implied, but it's very loose. It's very loose, yeah. Like, I still think that they have fully just left him to be murdered, which is such a rough end to the episode. Like, I, I, full disclosure, I really enjoyed this episode. I was saying to Jamie before we started recording, I got about 10 minutes in. I made a note that just says, oh, I love this in all caps. And from that point on, I have very few notes because I was just enjoying the episode. It's just good. But that ending, I was like, guys, (laughs) like, they could have at least done, like, you know how sometimes they do, like, a flash forward to, like, you know, it's clearly been, like, a few hours or at least a few days, and, like, they see the original victim and they, like, like, usually they meet them at the bar and, like, they give them the money or, like, they give them the rundown or, like, whatever, however. I kind of wish we'd seen him leaving the hospital or something, or maybe, like, if they'd flashed to, like the unveiling of it like if they watched it be unveiled on the news mm-hmm. at the you know at the that what i would have loved to see is 
the painting hanging in the museum mm. and then clearly Parker and Hardison had broken in after hours to see it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I'm laughing because, like, I love that it's still a crime. Yeah, but obviously. But that would have been... So sweet. So fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like, I just think that the after such a meticulously crafted episode, I just <laughs> think that that's such a funny detail. <laughs> like, yeah, they just kind of... They kind of leave it there. I mean, obviously the implication is like, yeah, everything works out. Everything's all good. Yeah. They've now reunited him with the painting and he's decided to donate it to a museum. Yeah. Love, love that. It. But like, Perfect. there are still assassins out though. Like, I feel like we're really skipping over that part. Um, which actually, before we move on through that, I did have my second question that I, mm. I got to, which is about them running away together. And I... The fact that they don't go or, like, that he goes and she stays is very upsetting. And, like, I fully understand, like, obviously it's a very difficult situation that they're in. And it's hard to put yourself in those shoes because we do live in a very different societal, you know, period now. But one thing I will say is that she makes the point that is, like, oh, like, everyone will be looking for me and stuff. And I'm like, your plan is to go to a foreign country. It's not like right now where you can track all of the, like, banking stuff and you can track passports and you can track, like, really quite easily. Like, we have a lot of systems for that. Like, we're talking about 1940s, just post-World War II. How tight do you think, like, how easy do you really think it would have been to track them internationally? I think more the point is less, oh, they'll find us right away and more, we could never really afford to settle down anywhere. Yeah, we could never relax. We could never relax. We'd basically always be on the run because, like, let's face it, her dad was massively fucking racist and would... Yeah, I just... I don't know. I it's just, just like that thing of, if I go, you're in more danger and I can't do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's just sadder. Oh, God, it is sad. It just... <laughs> Did you cry at all during the episode? I didn't cry, okay. but I was emotional. I mm-hmm. was like, this... This fucking sucks. And I think the part of it, like, obviously it was a shitty situation all around, but I think the hardest part is the fact that they got so close. Yeah. And like I said, I understand, you know, why it didn't, like, why she didn't go. But I also think that, like, her, the reason that she gave, Mm. I was like, I feel like that's, I don't know. I was like, I think because I'm looking at it from a modern lens, I'm like, it would have been so much easier then Mm. to just disappear to a foreign country. But also you got to remember her dad was like massively wealthy. Yeah, I suppose. So like a lot of like, at his disposal, like, yeah. yeah. So I guess it's, yeah, it's it's hard either way. And I do think that it was obviously very emotional that, um, that scene. And actually while we're at it, kudos to the whole cast this episode yeah. like the acting they're working double time and the fucking accents like we often yeah. talk about gina bellman and her mm-hmm. accents and you know we lord it because she's great yeah. but beth risegraf and aldous hodge in this i was like oh my god listen to my little babies look at them go flexing them vocal cords it was very fun i quite enjoyed it also the little hat that young charlie on aldous hodge yeah love it love it i also love that old nate also wears a dumb hat. Yeah. I <laughs> No escaping it. Yeah. Like, on Young Charlie, it's like, Hardison is making a fashion statement yeah. kind of hat. But on Nate, I'm like, it's just a dumb hat. Though I do, I just really, really, really quickly just want to say our daily thank you to Nadine Haters. Her costuming this episode, incredible. Yeah. 
It's such so a good, good period. The piece. yellow, like, capelet cardigan thing that Beth Reisgraf wears in the scene as Dorothy, mm-hmm. where she's saying goodbye to Charlie at the train, and she's like, I can't go with you because it's too dangerous for me to go as well. Mm. Like, that's putting you at extra risk that I yeah, can't. Yeah, for you to get out alive, yeah. you need to go without me. Yeah. It's a tragic scene, and the costuming is so fucking good. Like, insanely good. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like her costuming is always impeccable. Oh, yeah. This show, like, one thing that I will give it, like, regardless of anything else, the costuming, fucking stellar. There are very few episodes where I've been like, that's a whack choice, excluding Nate's hats. Yeah. But I believe firmly that that is a character choice. Like, I firmly believe that's relevant to his character. Yeah. Hat theory. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So even that actually is excellent. Okay, I just, I have a couple of lines that I just really want to talk about in this episode that I just, I find them funny and I really like them. So I just want to see if you share my opinion or if I'm Mm -hmm. alone in this. I love the line from Elliot where it's like, you've got 84% LOL. Yeah, I, like, (laughs) I did like that line. The line, it's the white whale of art theft recovery. What a whack way to put it. What a whack way. To, I love it. It's great. But like. I also kind of love that like the way that they talk about it is like Sophie's been after this thing. Nate's yeah. been after this thing. Obviously Owen has been up. Oh, I have a point about Owen. Yeah. Okay. What a Weasley. Did you, do. did you have any other, did you have any other lines you wanted to point out before? No, I, no. I've got other lines, but they're all sad and tragic and I love them. Okay. Not the right vibe not from right this vibe. moment. Okay. No. Cool, cool, cool. So I'll just keep tracking yeah, us go along. go for it. Okay, so I'm going to start with, I know the other episode, I went on a whole little tangent, and honestly, I don't know how much Jamie will leave in slash cut. So I'll just very quickly sum up. I was annoyed because I feel like they're just rehashing Nate's old, like, character plots, and I'm like, come on, guys, we know this, we've been here, we know he drinks, we know he did his whole, like, am I a thief, am I a good person, whole plot, like, we spent a whole season on it, we don't need to do it again, please and thank you. However, I will point out that they brought back IYS this episode. They did. And so... I am going to say, and I know that you mentioned in all that, you know, like, we're going to be looking at some Nate stuff and they're basically just reminding you, like, yeah. of, like remember where he's been. And I'm like, yes, okay, mm-hmm. sure. But they brought back IYS. And maybe, like, this this actually makes me more interested in the, the shit that I was annoyed about last week. Yeah. I think it was last week. Yeah. Recently. Because I'm like, oh, we're really delving back into yeah. Nate's early shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is more, this is further back than just him drinking. This is further back than his whole, like, am I uh, an upstanding citizen or yeah. am I a thief thing? This, this is, is going back to, like, season one. This is honestly predating season yeah. one. Because this Owen guy is a guy he clearly knew He's an well ex-co-worker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. And so now I am, like, retroactively more interested in the things mm-hmm. I was mad about last week. So I just wanted to put that little note in there. Also, this dude definitely knows Sterling as well, so... Yeah, so there's, like, a connection. Like, I was like, okay, interesting. And, like, he probably, because he seemed like he and Nate were, like, relatively close, he may also know Maggie, so there's, like, a whole other bit there. He maybe even knew Sam. So here's the thing about Owen. I I came into this episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, he seems like an all right dude kind of thing. And then there's, like, the twist at the end where he, like, fully pulls a gun, and I was like, where did this come from? But then he does this little monologue, and I was like, you're a shitty little person, you are. Because he does this thing where he's like, I put everything into this i lost my family i lost my job and i was like yeah and that was your own damn fucking fault for being obsessed with a painting like but also the funny thing to me is that he's doing this whole monologue to nate who lost his job and his family because his son fucking died i know i'm like you got a little too obsessive over a painting one thing is not like the other no 
I'm like, first of all, Owen, buddy, you did this to yourself. Because at any point, you could have just been like, you know what? I think this hobby's got a bit much. You know like, what's at more any important point, to me than this one random painting that we can't even be sure survived? My marriage. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, surely at some point, like, imagine this. Imagine you're a couples therapist. Yeah. This couple comes to you. And they're like, you're like, okay, so what are some of the problems that you're seeing in your yeah. relationship? And Owen's partner pipes up with, this man is so obsessed with a painting that may or may not even exist that I can't have a conversation about anything else. Everything is about this painting. And I was like, yeah. And I think that that's reasonable. Can you imagine being that marriage counselor? <laughs> like, I think you'd be like, I'm going to save you guys some time and money. I think it's a lost cause. <laughs> Maybe that's rough. But, like, bro, like, it's not, one, it's not the painting's fault. No. And two, it's certainly not Nate's fault. No. So- and it's so funny to me, though, that he is doing it to Nate, who did lose his job and his family. Yeah. Because massive familial tragedy. Yeah. So it's also kind of like, maybe it wasn't just the painting that lost you those things. Maybe it's just because you're a bit of a dick. And clearly can't read a room. Like, my bro. Though we do get one of my favourite Elliot fight scenes. Mm. The fucking ding-dong as he's, like, fucking beating them <laughs> with the icon. so funny. Actually, we get a couple of really good Elliot fight scenes in this mm-hmm. episode. One that I particularly enjoy is one we didn't even see. And it's the <laughs> one where he meets that guy when uh, he's just been on the phone pretending to be, like, the head office. And he's like, I'm going to need to put you on hold for a minute. And you hear the... The hold music mixed with the sound of the, like, like the flesh-on-flesh violence. And then Sophie and Hardison's expressions... Are both trying to, like, hold it together. So iconic. I'm a sucker for, like, very poppy, upbeat music while there's, like, insane violence happening. I think it's just a very fun artistic choice. This is See, maybe this is my the, new favorite ver- variant. This is this is the show for you then. The amount of fight scenes we get of like Elliot either beating someone up in the background or getting beaten up in the background, while two characters at the forefront of the frame are just chilling. Mm, we yeah. have more to come. We've already had like four different instances of this. Just this one in particular it, really yeah. just did something for me. I was like, oh, this is excellent. This just. The layers here are very fun. You know, just like the fact that Sophie and Hardison are hearing a very different thing to what this bank teller mm-hmm. is hearing. And then, like, Elliot's doing his own yeah. thing. And I quite like the banter mm-hmm. as well that we get between Elliot and his various opponents. Like, yeah. the whole, like, you owe me $27,000. I was like, oh, shit, he's a petty bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love to see it. You know, it's very... um You don't have hair like that that you can flip like that if you're not a petty bitch. <laughs> I had a note where I was like, I love Elliot seeing all his olds, and I didn't quite know what to call them, so I just wrote buddies. <laughs> and then I was like, that feels vaguely homoerotic, and I don't know if that's wrong, per se. <laughs> oh, wait until you meet Paul. Oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> Not spoiler, but you will have to wait till the reboot. Oh, poo. Let's just, let's just say we get some army buddies that are... Oh, that feels uh are army coded. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I know that you already mentioned it earlier, that you didn't necessarily... Like, the Barbie dream house line. But mm-hmm. all I could think of in that scene is that said like a real Ken. <laughs> like, That's my point. Sounds like Barbie would so, beat him up. It sounds so bitter. It's like we get it. You're not a Barbie. Yeah, right. She's everything. You're it's, just Ken. That's my whole point. Barbie, like you, I don't care who you are. I love that Ellie is the Barbie in this situation. Oh, one million percent. Oh my God, we need to make one of those Barbie things but for Ellie in this fight scene. <laughs> 
Yes. Here's the thing. Like, I don't care who you are or what your job is. I don't care how many decades of your life you've committed to your field of research or like whatever, right? If Barbie decided she wanted your job, she would do an Elle Woods. Like, she would take it. But not even like by cheating her way there. By sheer like fucking willpower, Mm. she would do it. Barbie has been everything. And he's just Ken. Yeah. And you know what? Love that for him. I love that for Ken. He knows who he is. Yeah. And Barbie knows who she is. He's laying face down next to a squished lemon. Yes. Yes. And Ryan Gosling gets it. <laughs> and so does Greta Gerwig. And so does Margot Robbie. I So we're going to see Barbie in Simpsons, right? Absolutely. I think we should have a bonus pod episode that's just okay. the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we put that to a Twitter poll. <laughs> Cross-posted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this is like kind of along the same track it's the the, the closest segue i've got in my okay notes. yeah i, I want to talk about a house and its functionality okay. so like in dream house normal house yada yada okay yeah lovely i've seen the connection yes houses <laughs> galaxy brain take but <laughs> so this woman mm-hmm. that elliot approaches and it's like hey i'm from the gas company which quick aside that would never fucking work here in australia like i cannot explain to you how little that if someone said hi i'm from the gas company i'd close the door in their face but because i'd assume they're a door-to-door salesman wanting to sell me a different gas plan no i'd assume like, that they were trying to scam me like because d- most for context a lot of australian houses do not have gas appliances and if they do, like, it's pretty minimal. It, like, may be the stove, maybe the water heater, but most stuff here is electric. Yeah. Right. So if someone shows up and just says, I'm from the gas company, like, not even, like, L gas or, like, whatever, mm. you're going to be sus because you're like, mm, well, I don't we have that. gas, number one. We got that branded gas. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Capitalism. Like, the only gas that I have in my house is for my barbecue, so... I don't think that's the problem. But anyway, so he I feel up. like the Australian equivalent would be the NBN, though. Yeah. Do you know what? That would work. Mm. Because the NBN is always fucked. Yeah. So I would believe it if someone yeah. was like, hey, have you been having connectivity issues? I'd be like, all the time. <laughs> Wait, there are really people who annoying. don't have connectivity issues? <laughs> the point that I was trying to make. This poor woman, her house, she's just straight up being told that her whole house is fucked. Like, yeah, she's like the mold inspector. <laughs> the mold inspector and the gas company on the same day being like, yeah, this shit is fucked. <laughs> like, this poor woman. Like, next thing you know, fucking Sam and Dean are going to rock up and tell her there's also a poltergeist. Like, she cannot catch a break. Mm. And I just, I just fell for her. I know, I fully think if Sam and Dean rocked up to tell her there was a poltergeist, Dean would 100% hit on... Elliot. Elliot. One million percent. Yeah. One million percent. He's got the hair. He wears cowboy boots. (laughs) And he would walk into a room, beat everyone up, and then walk back out again. Exactly. And as per Eric Kripke, Dean would be like, who's that? And you would get the jealous Cass reaction shot. Oh, Elliot and Cass would fucking detest each other. And I think that is so funny. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, so my point, my point was that this poor woman must just be really concerned about her property value. Yeah, she's like, they're just keep on telling her shit's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like, honestly, kudos to Elliot for, like, behaving normally mm-hmm. with her after that guy fucking jumped the fence. He's like, oh, yeah, he left. <laughs> he said it's all clear. Yeah. Like, he, he cares enough to actually, like, 
reassure her, which mm. is just so sweet of him. Yeah. I quite enjoyed Elliot in this episode, actually. Mm. They didn't have him hitting on people grossly, which no, I appreciate. He was just, like, having fun beating people up in the background. Yeah. It was a good time. And he has that scene where, like, Hardison's being fucking whingy, which I love. I always love when Hardison's whingy. <laughs> him blowing his nose this whole episode is iconic. And you've just got Elliot messing with the screen. And oh. Fucking Dave's like, stop it. He's like, what? He's already telling me I need to learn technology stuff. <laughs> I have a fucking note on this. So you know how in season one I kept making fun of them for having car adverts in the middle of yeah. their episodes? I had a note. As soon as I saw that screen, I was like, this is an ad for Microsoft LMAO. And then two notes later, I was like, moving Hardison around, absolutely called it. This is an ad. <laughs> Um, oh, speaking on Elliot and that same scene, actually, the note I had between those two was that I like that Elliot is being asked for his thoughts on the pay rate yeah. of the hitters. Like, yeah. I appreciate that they were like, Elliot, like, what do you reckon? Like, you're going to have the expertise on What would on you this. have been paid to do this job? Yeah, exactly. And I quite liked that they made the point of being like, you are the person who will have the best idea. Mm-hmm. And I like that he gives his reasoning. Yeah. I like that he's like, mm, find this fee on this kind of item. You're probably looking at about 10%, which means that... You know, and you can understand yeah. his thought process. Like, he's not just pulling $10 million yeah. out of his ass. He's giving you a reason as to how he's worked mm-hmm. that out. And I enjoy that attention to detail. Because I didn't have to include it. Yeah. But I think it's just, like, a nice little thing where, like, like he oh, He could okay. have just come back with, what do you think someone will do for $10 million? Yeah. Like, you know, or, like, he could have just said, like, I don't know, probably, like, 10 mil. Like, he could have been way more nonchalant yeah. about it. But I like that there is, like, a logic and a process. Yeah. And I also appreciate that it's like an insight. It's like, oh, okay, so they work for commission. Yeah. You know, like that's the... <laughs> it's a finder's fee. Yeah, and I quite enjoy that. And I, like, I also appreciate because like it is regarding stolen art. Mm. So like your first thought is to ask Sophie, yeah. right? But Or Parker. The, yeah, exactly. But like Sophie was in the room. Mm. But like it's actually way more appropriate to ask Elliot because these billionaires are not getting paying people like Sophie to or take like it in Parker. the way... Or like Parker. To steal it in the way that they would, they're asking people like Elliot. So specifically asking Elliot is the best mm. way to understand the value that's being put on this yeah. job. And I was like, I just really like that. Obviously that thought yeah. process has been, you know. Yeah, applied. And also the other thing is it also just comes down to what sort of thief they are. Mm. Because when Parker and Sophie steal stuff, they're not stealing stuff for other people. Typically. They're stealing it for themselves and then they might sell it on but they're not getting told, I need you to steal this thing. So Sophie, to me, is the Bella Supernatural equivalent. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel, at least prior to being part of the team, like, she gives me the vibe of, like, she's taking this stuff because she wants to, but, like, she is not going to not on-sell it kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but also the thing, like, here's the thing. I don't think of, she's working for commission. No. Yeah. Like, it's like Elliot was working as a contractor, basically. Yeah. So you know, evil bad guy number four would ring him up mm-hmm. and be like, I need you to steal this thing specifically. Like mm-hmm. we saw in the Russian job. Yeah. I've got a client who needs you to steal this thing for me. Steal this thing. So he's sort of getting told what to steal, whereas Sophie's just like, oh, I want to take that. Like mm-hmm. I see an opportunity to steal that. I'm going to steal, steal it and then I'm going to sell it on to make money. Yeah. Bella Supernatural-esque. Yeah. Yes. Rather than actually getting told you need to steal this one specific thing. Yeah, she's still calling the shots. Yeah, she's and still choosing what to steal. She's just selling it on afterwards. Yeah, she because... has a little bit more agency in like what she does and when she does it and how she does it. Yeah. Whereas Elliot is being contracted, so he already has... He gets his... given a target, whereas yeah. she's just stealing what she feels like stealing and then selling it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to talk about 
a line for a second that drives me like slightly insane. Is this the sad line you mentioned earlier? Yes. Okay. Which is, I said it as a joke just so I could take it back. Which is, oh, Charlie. I know. It hurt my soul. Like, I just... Oh, also, are you excited? We finally get an actual Charlie so you can stop calling Archie Charlie. <laughs> I did think that. Actually, I really... I did think that. <laughs> um, just, it's just so sad. It is so sad. It is so sad. It, it, I promise I'm just going to make this a very quick comment. It did remind me of a lot of Supernatural fanfics that I've read. Like, it's very, like, a Dean-like mm. thing. Like, it's, like, literally that meme that's like, haha, but what if... Like, haha, sad eye, you know? <laughs> what if we made this into supernatural fan fiction? <laughs> I would cry. I did note that, like, before I knew what this episode, like, was going to kind of be and how it was going to run, I was like, wow, this guy's really clocking Parker and Hardison. I was like, they're really making a point of the fact that he is, like, noticing the little touches and mm-hmm. noticing the way that they communicate. And, like, I was like, damn, they're really putting emphasis on this. Like, he is clocking them 100%. Because he sees himself in them. I know. It's so sweet. Although I was surprised. I understand why in terms of like how like they had the other characters working throughout the episode. But I was surprised that he wanted to speak to Parker and not Hardison. It's because he sees Dorothy in Parker, Mm. whereas he sees himself in Hardison. So it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose like that. And that does make sense. But I like. And also Parker's the one who's been interacting with him. Mm, Okay. That's that's a good point. Because Hardison's mostly been like outside. Because my thought was like, oh, like he obviously like can see himself in Hardison, like sees his younger self sort of thing. I was like, oh, like I thought it would have made a bit more sense for him to talk to Hardison, especially the advice he gives Parker Mm. at the end being like, don't waste this kind of opportunity. Like, I felt like that would have made a little more sense going to Hardison. But also in the grander, like, scheme of leverage, Hardison is not the one who needs that advice. Mm-hmm. It is Parker it who is Parker. needs that advice. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that it does make a lot of sense. It just initially, I was like, oh, like, I feel like it, like, my first instinct would have been for him to, like, mm-hmm. talk to Hardison. But also, like, here's the thing, like, Hardison's just better at talking to people. So it actually, like, in terms of actually pushing the characters... It needed to be Parker. It needed to be Parker. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's not necessarily like, oh, that's really... Like, it's not like he's like, oh, I want to talk to Sophie because she reminds me of Aunt Cecilia. Like, Yeah, which is... (laughs) Fucking wild. Or like, I want to talk to Elliot because he reminds me of my kind of super racist CO. Yeah. (laughs) Whack. Um, Wild times. mm, mm -hmm. Which... When we get the flashback to when he's at war, yeah. right, and the lady, like the French lady is running up going, c'est dangerous, c'est dangerous. Mm. It's like, that's not hard to fucking translate. <laughs> no. Like, like, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. Like, what What did you think she was saying? Like, I get the second bit not being able to translate, but like the first, like she's literally. Danger? Like, it's, da- it's the same word, babes. They're, they just have an accent. And you know what? Accents aren't impossible to interpret through. Like, you can have conversations with people with a different accent to you in the same language and understand what they're like saying. Like, my man Charlie's out here learning German just because he knows French and English. I know. I like, are so unrelatable, by the way. I am really bad at languages. What I'm discovering on this podcast and also the Supernatural one is I'm just uncovering a bunch of things I'm bad at. <laughs> Maths, languages, sports. Media analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was really <laughs> really funny though <laughs> like valid also love you, like uh, <laughs> you know i love it when my friends bully me um it's actually my favorite <laughs> oh, that was really funny like i please leave that in 
was really funny. So I'm leaving this bit in as well, just so you guys listening at home know. Because I know it was in- on request. I know your instinct would be to like take it out as too savage, but no, it was perfect. The, the setup was I like really set myself up for it. It was great. Ooh. Oh fuck. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. I did have another question for mm-hmm. you. Yep. And it's not really a question for you per se, unless you know something specifically about this. This is a, an American question, which we haven't had one in a while, but here we go. Are skating rinks mm-hmm. a thing in the US? Because I have never seen, like, ice skating, sure. We have, like, yes, ice skating there rinks. there are skating rinks in Australia. Are there? Yes. Where? So I know there's at least one in the state, because I had friends who did roller derby. Oh, okay. That's mm. fun. So they're not that common, and I like. I also get the sense of like this one has been like its lifespan was. This extended is a historical because it was historic, and also because you had Dorothy fighting tooth and nail every time somebody to threatened to, yeah. to keep it open. So like, I don't think they're necessarily like. I don't think every town has a skating rink, mm. but I definitely think like it's not out of the question for this one to still be going. The reason that I ask is because the only other thing that I, like, in my mind, when I think of a skate rink, the thing that comes to mind is, one, the fact that I can't ice skate very well, which is I was about to say, I would often take you roller skating, but you can't ice skate, so I don't (laughs) think... It's the same skill set. I'm just not very good at it. I'm about as coordinated as a baby giraffe, and it shows when I have wheels slash blades on my feet. But... The only other thing that I think of is Stranger Things. In the most recent season, there's, like, a whole, mm. like, scenario in a skate rink. And I know you don't really watch Stranger Things, so, like, mm. over the top of your head. But that's literally the only thing that I can think See, of. See, because the other TV I think of is in Parks and Rec, where mm. they hold Leslie's Come Like You Were in the 90s part. Yes, yes. And April Ludgate, who comes 1890s. The yeah. 1890s. Yes, and actually they have, um, well, they try to have Ben's, like, uh, 1990s-themed birthday there as well when um when she does the filibuster yeah yes so i forgot about password but i just watched that maybe i am bad at media analysis anyway <laughs> we don't have time to unpack all that i don't think we need to say anymore <laughs> so my point is i was surprised actually because of like obviously like the name of the episode when it opened on a skate rink i was confused mm. i was like this is so far away from what I guessed. Like, so, to the point where I was like, did I click on the wrong episode? And then I was like, oh, okay, no, it's about a painting. Like, this is, this is correct. The name makes sense. Like, it, it's yes. not... Yes, I when was you like, see in the episode, the name makes perfect sense. Well, it was one of those scenarios where I was like, did my streaming service do that thing where I've missed 10 minutes? Like, I... <laughs> I was concerned, you know? But no, we got there and I was like, oh, okay, it is about a painting. And then I immediately was like, this man... Charlie is having the worst day. Like, he's at the skate rink. Oh, another note about the skate rink. No one looks like they're having fun. Every single person in that opening shot, when he's like watching them, there's like a couple holding hands and skating. Both look miserable. All the children not smiling. I'm like, this does not seem like anyone wants to be. They look like you (laughs) if you were in a skating rink. Yeah. Well, actually, no, because they were upright (laughs) and moving. (laughs) See, like, I would love to go to a roll. Like, I love rollerblading. I love roller skating. I love ice skating. Like, I really genuinely enjoy that. I, I, here's the thing. I have fun, but I'm not doing much. (laughs) Like, I can, in my mind, I logically understand the process that I need to undertake to perform the action. But I can't make my brain and my legs talk. It's the balance thing? Maybe, because I also can't ride bikes. (laughs) <laughs> Look, I am now realizing I'm the athletic one on this podcast. 
Which is a low bar. <laughs> like an incredibly low bar. Like, okay. I mean, to be fair, you're also really bad at dancing. So <laughs> It's because I'm very uncoordinated. I also don't like team sports because I always feel like I'm letting everyone down by being incompetent. <laughs> like, I would, I only wanted to do solo sports because I was like, at least if I fuck up, I'm only letting myself down and not eight other people. This is why I never played netball. Like, netball is like, if you're going to play a team sport in Australia and you're also I reckon you'd female, make a decent goalkeeper. No. Because they don't have to go anywhere. You, you just, just stand, stand there with your arms up yeah. and you have to be... and you're nice and tall. Yeah. So I could, yeah, I could probably do that. I also don't have to run, which I quite like running, but not as like a not as like a sport thing. Just like because I want to. <laughs> so is, you're definitely this podcast, defense. This episode is so much just about things I'm bad at and not about the episode of leverage we're supposed to be discussing. But anyway, my point is, no one in that opening scene looks happy to be there, and I was like, that's iconic, honestly. But then Charlie, like the guy, comes and he like does like the yeah. fake FBI thing, and I was like, or like fake whatever thing. Yeah. And I was like, damn, Charlie really picked that. Like, yeah. that man is switched on. Like, every single thing that happens in that episode, Charlie understands the situation immediately. Yeah. And I was like, damn, damn, you would live in the supernatural universe. And that is saying something, right? But then the guy fucks off and he, like, immediately has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he is having the worst day. Yeah. Like, him and the lady whose house is just kaput. <laughs> Just the worst day. Not to be too Australian on Maine, but anytime I hear the word kaput, all I can think of is kaput. (laughs) If you don't know who Rhonda and kaput are and you need a different romance to be emotionally devastated by. Rhonda and kaput are kaput. Rhonda and kaput on YouTube. Just look up. It's like a, like a fucking six part series. You're with Amy. (laughs) Anyway. It's wild. It's an entire love story <laughs> told solely through car insurance. Ads. It's 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 an Australian classic, quite genuinely. It is so good. <laughs> he looks Cinematic so masterpiece. Like a sunrise. <laughs> we'll get you some brake foot bling. Fucking <laughs> brake foot bling. Didn't they have a baby in the end? Not I to spoil so. it. Not I think I think the COVID, the COVID one. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Not to spoil the ending of the Amy insurance ads, but Rhonda and Kitu get married and have a baby. <laughs> Fuck, tag your spoilers, kids. <laughs> anyway. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Speaking of marriage, mm-hmm. Sophie and Nate are married. Just straight up married in this episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't really have anything else to no. say on that. I, I find it very interesting sort of the way that all of them were casted, I think is fascinating from like an analysis standpoint, because like it's really obvious sort of why everyone is who they are. And it's really interesting that they did directly map them on like that. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly very interesting. I quite liked the way that they did it. I found that, like, when, like, I saw Elliot, I was like, oh, that feels a little bit, like, on the nose. Mm. But I was also like, I don't know where else, because the only other place they could have put him is in the place of the really racist guy who keeps trying to beat up Charlie. And I was like, <laughs> I get why they didn't do that. <laughs> they only made him slightly racist instead of really Overtly, racist. yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like, I get your decision making. Like, that does make a bit of sense. 
Like, I understand not wanting to make your main character pretend to be a different character who wants to beat the shit out of a different character. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not white. Yes. Like, like it, I understood. Mm. I understood. Oh, I tell you what, though. The fury in me that is usually reserved for the mark of the week really did get put into that scene where Charlie finds out that the, that random fucker is going to get, like, the recognition for what he yeah. did. Who mm-hmm. Like, and oh, honestly, I know we already mentioned it, but, like, kudos to Aldous Hodge. Like, the acting in that moment. Like, when he's just, like, so clearly livid. Yeah. And, like, he goes to, like, like hit something or, like, throw his helmet. Yeah. Or I can't remember what it is, but at the back of the car. And then he, like, pulls himself back and he's mm-hmm. like, nope. And he, like, pulls it together and he's like, right, I'm just going to... Like, I, I can't let this get to me. Can't, I was like, fuck. Mm. Like, the the body language, like, the way that he managed to get across the, like, the fury and then the resignation and then, like, the the planning in that moment. Because that whole sequence, like, there's, like, no dialogue. No. It's all in his physicality. And it is so well done. Um, But, yeah, no. I quite quite enjoyed it. The acting this week is just, like, like the cast is always good. Mm-hmm. The cast is always good. Yeah. But it just this week, like, especially oh. Beth Ricegraff and Aldous Hodge. Knocked it out of the park. Just fucking, they did that. Mm-hmm. And actually one, like, little touch that I quite enjoyed was that when we got to see the photos of the people, like, that they were portraying, like, they weren't pictures of the main cast. I liked that they were, like, lookalikes, essentially. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, because, like, we were obviously seeing them portrayed by our mm-hmm. main cast, but that's not what they actually looked like. And so I liked that we got the little side-by-side kind of thing. I thought it was quite a nice little a little touch because we didn't have to see photos. Like, they didn't have to do that. But no. I thought it was nice that they did because it's a fun little reminder of, like, we're not seeing it how it actually necessarily, like, looked. We're yeah. seeing an interpretation of it because it's basically, like, you could almost view this episode as, like, Parker's imagination of yes. Charlie's explanation. And so, like, when you say it's interesting how the characters are mapped, it could just be that, like, that's how Parker has placed them. Yeah. And I think that that is really interesting. And it's like, Park, you know, so like Elliot is in the military because, mm. of course, Elliot was in the military. So it's like Elliot maps on really nicely there. Yeah, and he obviously, would be the lieutenant. Like, he yeah. would be the one in charge of the, you know. And obviously, like, you know, she sees Nate as an authority. So, of course, he's the sheriff. Yeah. And, of course, he's married to Sophie. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Like, and then, of obviously, like, the, like, Charlie has already mapped himself and Dorothy onto yeah, Parker and Hardison. Parker and Hardison, because why not? They're just like couple goals. They're mm. just, they're really out here doing yeah, that. It's very sweet. But yeah, so like thinking of it as like a version of like, it's actually the reason that they look like the characters that we know is because Parker is imagining it that way. Mm. Is actually, I think, a very fun lens to look at it through. Obviously, like it's not necessarily the interpretation they were going for because like obviously they just wanted the normal main cast mm. to be in the episode like they're paying the main cast anyway yeah can you imagine it's just an episode of leverage but it's literally just none of the cast you just for see two Parker, minutes. like twice like yeah. that's it <laughs> that's no the other episode. cast on screen yeah and so i quite enjoy i quite enjoy that like obviously they kept the cast in there but that also i think is a fun reading i think that was my last note it's a gorgeous episode and I fucking love it, but it's just like, there's just not... There's not a lot to discuss. It's not a big elaborate plot. It's like, it's quite a slow-paced leverage episode. Like, and I just... Yeah. Like, and especially leverage is usually just like fucking chock-a-block and there's mm. things happening like a mile a minute. And this episode was like a very lull in mm. that... Like, not in a bad way. No. But just like in a... Like it you felt said before, very reflective, mm. which is... Well, like you said before, they were disrupting their usual... Um, format. Format, yeah. Mm. So this is like, yeah, it's just different. 
Oh, I just want to say one final thing. Mm-hmm. I just love Charlie. Like, he is so yeah. sweet. I just love Charlie. He was a very fun character. Mm. Yeah. He's just so sweet. And, like, he just wanted to, like, be with the woman he loved. But, like, unfortunately, he just couldn't. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that actually is basically all of my notes for this episode. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so. I don't, like, I think this episode was just very fun. It's it's very much filler. Mm-hmm. But again, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like yeah. I very much enjoy filler episodes typically because they are an opportunity to break from the format. Mm-hmm. They are an opportunity to have a bit of fun with the characters and not have to worry so much about like the main. I mean, not that Leverage yeah. really has like a main plot per se, but you know, it's nice to have an episode that isn't like here is forty minutes of tension. Yeah, like this is just forty minutes of they're having fun, and like obviously not the whole episode is like comedy or anything, but that's not really what I mean. It's, it's a it's long. Slow-paced character introspection. It's nothing that's like we're not trying to push forward any sort of plot. We're just taking some time to reflect. I also think that like episodes like this where you've got like obviously not actually time travel, but there's like an element where you know you're in different time periods Mm. and things. It's just a bit of fun for everyone working on the show because like you you get a bit of a break from what would be their day to day. Mm. Like you've got a whole bunch of different types of sets to design. You've got a whole bunch of different types of costumes to fit. You know, and not just in this episode, obviously, like, it's a very different time period, but you've also got stuff where, like, they're at the skate rink, but you've also got stuff where, like, he's at war, you know, and Mm. there are very different environments within very different sets and very different costume pieces and, like, and all of those things, like, to be fair, I don't work in film and TV, clearly, so, you know, whether or not it would be fun or annoying, I guess I don't have a, a horse in that race, but... I think that it must at least break up the monotony of the day-to-day. Like, we don't just have them wearing the same kind of costumes they would always wear in yeah. the same sets that they're always in. Like, it's just a little bit different and a little bit fun in a way that's not necessarily important, but just because they can. Yeah. You know? It's an experiment. Mm. I think and this is, like, the first one where they've really sort of subverted the normal format of leverage. Like we had Except for maybe bit, the Russian job. Yeah, but even then it was, like, they're still themselves, like... It, Mm. it's a similar storytelling technique but it's actually still a similar sort of vibe it's actually almost an opposite technique because in that one we had their characters played by different actors yeah like it's it's sort of the same concept but a little bit inverted Mm. it's yeah it's very fun but anyway how would you rate the van gogh job out of five I gave it a solid 4.5. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it, I I would have given it like maybe like 0.75. Like I would have given it because I did really enjoy this mm-hmm. episode. Accepting that I was like, it's so different mm-hmm. to like a normal episode of Leverage that I was like, I feel like it's not. It's kind of cheating it, to give it. Well, it almost feels like it. Honestly, to me, it almost feels like the ho-ho-ho job in the same sense of, like, it doesn't feel like it's actually part of the main narrative. Mm. Like, we said a lot, or I said at least, the ho-ho-ho job felt very much like crack fic. Like, this doesn't feel like crack fic, but it doesn't feel like the actual canon narrative. It feels like fan fiction, but just not crack fan fiction. Yeah. And, like, this is by no means This feels like an AU. Yeah. Well, this feels like a little pocket, Mm. I suppose. Like... If you think of leverage as, like, a linear line, this feels like a little bloop that yeah. kind of exists just outside the main timeline. Like, it's it's still connected, yeah, but it's just not... It's not inserted in the narrative the same way that a lot of the other episodes are. And so I feel like for that reason, I'm not quite counting it as, like, within the context of leverage as a whole. And I don't know if that logic makes sense to anyone outside of myself, 
And if you disagree with me, valid. But I think just based on that, like it's just, it doesn't fall within leverage. In Like it doesn't, I'm finding it hard to categorize against other leverage episodes, mm. I suppose. Because it, it is so inherently different. It doesn't feel fair to rank it against other leverage episodes. Yeah, because it's inherently trying to achieve a different thing. Mm. And so I thought that it just didn't quite, it felt unfair to give it a really high rating. Considering that it is so opposite to the normal function of leverage. So I'm giving it a 4.5, which is still high, but I'm not going to put it higher than that. Because I think I've only ever given one episode a 4.75. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to like <laughs> tie it you up You still there. prefer the most supernatural coded episode of leverage? Oh yeah. That's not shocking. That's entirely predictable. <laughs> All right. Next week is called The Hot Potato Job. What do you think it's about? Okay. Two You thoughts. are not allowed to say hot potato by the Wiggles. <laughs> Bad, immediately. I can see your okay. brain going. Well, well, in that case, definitely sustainable fish farming. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I do also have two other thoughts. So I guess it's not the Wiggles. <laughs> Fuck. This episode, we may as well just call it the niche Australian media episode. So, <laughs> so no. My... Two thoughts, excluding the Wiggles. Well, Charlie does go to Australia. They do mention yes. that. Yes. Oh, my God. We didn't even mention that. Yeah, we got an Australia shout out. Woo. So <laughs> <laughs> Look, it happens so rarely. <laughs> okay. Charlie Ooh. has, in fact, been to Australia, though. So that is... That's a win in my books. Mm. So, calm down. <laughs> Outside of the Wiggles... I love that you have to actually physically tell yourself <laughs> to calm down. I'm going to give myself a pep talk. Okay, so outside of the Wiggles and outside of sustainable fish farming, the two other thoughts that I have is, like, the game Hot Potato, where, like, basically you just have to, like, get rid of the ball as quickly mm-hmm. as possible because yeah. it's essentially, quote-unquote, a hot potato and you don't, you can't hold it because it'll burn your hands. So I'm thinking that maybe it's going to be, like, some kind of precious item that they're, like, desperately trying to, like, hand off, basically, like, handball, being mm-hmm. like, yeah. no, I don't want it, no, I don't want it. Or, like, maybe not necessarily an item, but, like, some kind of, like, Something where like it would be really bad if you got caught red-handed with it. Yeah, like, I feel like there is something where, like, you just want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it is an item or if it's, like, a job that keeps cropping up or, like, a person that's trying to, like, entangle with them kind of thing. I just feel like it's it's some sort of thing that they're just trying to handle off as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, no, we just don't want anything to do with this. But it, like, inevitably keeps coming back. <laughs> Like, because that's the thing about hot potato. Someone's going to throw it back to you eventually, you know. So you just have to keep fucking chucking it. So it could be that. The other thing it could be, and hear me out on this. Chef yeah, that Elliot. is not a reassuring way <laughs> of segueing into what you mean. Chef Elliot, food truck. Okay, yep. Yeah. It's a hot potato food truck. Okay, yep. Yeah. Right? I don't know how at all this is relevant. But I do think it would just be so funny if, like, they're running a con and, like, the cover is that Elliot is running a food truck. And, like, that's, like, Hardison's out the back. Like, it's like Lucille 3.0. Okay. But yeah. it's a food truck is the is the front. Mm-hmm. And so Elliot is legitimately serving customers, like, loaded hot potatoes. And Hardison is in the back, like, hacking into whatever. And then, like, Nate and Sophie are, like, posing as customers or, like, and Park is, yeah. like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Spider-Manning her way up a building in the background. I don't know. But I just think that Elliot food truck is just a really fun concept. Okay. Yep. I just, I just, you could call it Lucille's potatoes. I don't know. But I just think it was a really fun. And I think he would put his everything into it. Okay. Yeah. 
I think he'd be really passionate about the quality of his potatoes. Like, I honestly think at some point, if I'm like building the episode in my mind now, <laughs> which is bad because I don't want to be disappointed later, but I just think it would be so funny if like at one point, like Nate is like, Elliot, like, come on, hurry up. And Elliot's like, <laughs> you can't rush quality. Like, you know, like I want him to be like aiming for those five-star Google reviews, you know? <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to add? No, I think I'm good. Lovely. Well, thank- oh, he does make his own <laughs> coleslaw from scratch. <laughs> Sorry. Are you you done ranting on about food trucks? I think so. I'll I'll hold it in. I'll restrain myself. Anyway, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for spending your time with us. If you want to come back next week for the hot potato job, we'd love to have you. And if you want to talk to us at all, you can find us on every imaginable version of social media. All of the links will be in our link tree below. <laughs> Feel free to talk to us about literally anything, but suggested conversation topics include... What would Elliot put on his menu for his food truck? Because I'm loving this concept. I cannot stop giggling about it. I'm so sorry. I just want to see him run a food truck. I just think it would be so funny and okay. so in character, honestly. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. Oh, is this also one of your favourite episodes? Because I love this mm. episode, like genuinely. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Because, like, I rated this episode really highly. Like, do you like the break from the usual format? Mm. Would you prefer if they stuck to it, you know? Like, is this one that you come back to a lot, or is it one that for you is forgettable? We do have a couple of other episodes that are in a similar sort of format. So you can't talk to Beth about it. But where does this one rank in the rankings of them? Anyway, thank you so much for listening today. Please have a lovely evening, afternoon, morning, night, lunch, brunch, midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whatever time of the day or night you decided to listen to us. Bye. I just, sorry, I just realized that I normally make the like 11 Z's joke in like sometimes in there. I like chuck it in just for fun because like you're doing your little monologue and I'm like, oh, you know, hobbits. And I realized that there's the whole potato thing about like boil them and mash them and stick them in a stew. So maybe it's about hobbits. Maybe it's like to the Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. My brain is fucked today. Bye. I'm so sorry.